picnic. It's at uh, Southwood Park. All right, so that's just coming up around the corner. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, fel- fellowship, games, we're all coming together as TPA, our Sunday school, our, our, uh, our Sunday uh, services, and all, all coming together at 11 o'clock at, uh, at the park. Southwood Park is, um, how do I describe it? It's south, in my mind. It's south of, uh, of uh, the hospital and co-op. All right, it's the park back there along, what is that, Burntwood Road? Yeah, the Thompson Water Plants right there near the bus depot. It's the big park there with a baseball diamond and, and uh, skating rink. And so uh, come and be a part of that. Uh, we're, it'll be a great time. Yeah, by the ice cream shack. There's, and there's another key, a key uh, landmark. Okay. They have, you know, my wife doesn't get terribly excited about a whole lot of things, but I tell you, she, um, we, we, when we were down south uh, this uh, spring sometime, we stopped by uh, the drive-in at, uh, at Carmen for an ice cream, and they had this toasted coconut dip. And I tell you, she bought it, and I didn't hear her uh, stop raving about that all the rest of the way to Winnipeg. Uh, and like a piece fell and I went to pick it and I wasn't allowed to touch it. I mean, she loves this dip. It was crazy. I, like she just raves about it. She loves it so much. Uh, it's like that, um, you know, that caramelized coconut icing that you make for some of those cakes or whatever. Uh, it's like that. And the ice cream shack has it. She found out. Well, needless to say, the best thing I could ever do on a day is take her for an ice cream cone now and get her that dip. Puts me in her good books right quick. It's good to have things like that as a husband that you can do that, you know, fixes the rest of the day, you know, from all the stuff you do all day long. Take her for an ice cream and everything's good. The promise. I, uh, next Sunday, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, and, uh, but uh, we're honoring our grads that day, and we're also dedicating Little Jerry, as I mentioned, and so, so uh, I thought I would just mess with the calendar and shorten Pentecost uh, by, by seven days and move it to today, all right? And so today at TPA, it's Pentecost Sunday, all right? And so uh, that's how, what we're going to do. And so I would like to speak about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as described that day over 2,000 years ago and what it has meant ever since. All right? And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. Here's what it says. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, speaking about Jesus. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus here reminds his disciples about the promise that he spoke about prior to his death and his resurrection. He wanted them to know he's just about to ascend. In fact, Ascension Day was this past Wednesday, and, and on Ascension Day, he goes up. After dying, he, he, he walks on. After Easter, 40 days, he appears and wanders and, and speaks to his disciples and, and all. But 40 days later, he ascends into the heavens with, with the onlookers of over 500 people. But before he does that, one, on one occasion, he looks at them and he says, Okay, guys, I'm about to leave, but wait. Before you go out into the world, until you go out to fulfill the Great Commission, before you go out and do what I've called you to do, I need you to tarry, I need you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive what I promised, what I told you about, what the Father is going to send, and He's going to come and He's going to give you and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It was what He had promised and what He had spoken about. Look at, look at Luke, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And in John chapter 14, verse 16, it's, John chapter 14, 15, 16, there, there's so much in here about the, the, the Holy Spirit and, and, and Jesus is really preparing his disciples. But, but here in verse 16 of John chapter 14 is really oh, a statement that I would just want to remind you of because this is what Jesus is referencing here in Acts. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Jesus made sure that they knew. And so they stayed in Jerusalem. Just as Jesus had commanded them. And so let's read about the days. uh, The the events of that day in in Acts. Alright. So let's read about Acts chapter chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. The events of of Pentecost Sunday. Or the day of the, the events of Pentecost. Pentecost simply means 50, in case you're wondering. It was a feast that was happening 50 days after the Passover. So, 50, Penti. And so, uh, it doesn't have a Holy Spirit name. It has a, a, a reference to the number of days from Passover to the Feast of Pentecost. And so, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. On Pentecost, God poured out His Holy Spirit upon the 120 that were gathered in the upper room. There was wind, and there was fire, and there were tongues. I want to say this, folks. When the Spirit fell on them, the disciples began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They did not receive the wind and fire, but they did receive tongues. 
There was a physical manifestation in that room of a mighty rushing wind. Tongues of fire came over them and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances as they were able to. And so it just happened. And so they had been tearing and waiting in the upper room about 10 days, praying 120 of them, seeking God, waiting for this, this, this baptism that Jesus said for them to wait for. And suddenly on this day, it comes. Later on in, 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 in verse 14 and following of this chapter, of Acts chapter 2, Peter describes and he tries to explain the events of that day, of what was happening. And so I just want to pick it up. It says here in verse 14, Then Peter stood up with, with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's, no, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour up my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on the servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on, on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? And he, he references what was spoken and prophesied by Joel in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. What I want to express to you today is that the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit was not just for those uh, who tarried that day in Jerusalem. That's when you should have said amen, folks. Amen? I want you to understand that the gift, the promised gift of the Holy Spirit was not just for those who tarried in Jerusalem that day. It wasn't just for the 120 in that upper room that day, folks. Because Joel prophesied, I'm going to give it out. It's, gonna, it's for all. In fact, at the end of this passage, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what he invites the people to do. If they would repent in verses 38, if they too would repent, it would, they would receive it as well. That the gift that they heard, that they overheard happen in that upper room would be poured out upon them as well. What this means is that, that if you are a believer, then this promised gift is for you. Amen? This gift is for you if you are a believer. You see, the promise is for you and your children and for who all are, who are, are uh, far off. For all who the Lord will call. Folks, if you're a believer, then there's a gift for you. And it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, it was prophesied by Joel. It was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And it has continued to be received by believers ever since. Amen? 
ever since. You see, we see it continue to happen in the life of the early church, in case you're wondering. Look what it says in Acts chapter, Acts chapter uh, 8. Acts chapter 8. Verses 14 to 19. When the apostles in, in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Amen? So they find that there's people who are now Christians that, that, that have come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, but they yet haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John go up so that they too can receive and hear and learn and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, Peter has gone to, to, to Cornelius' house. He's a Gentile, and, and even though he's a Gentile, Peter's gone there because this man was a believer, and God had told Cornelius, says, go get Peter, and Peter will come and tell you and explain everything to you. And so here's Peter now at Cornelius' house, and in verse 40. 44, here's what it says. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The Holy Spirit fell in Cornelius' house, a Gentile's home. In fact, folks, I want you to understand that when uh, they didn't know that Gentiles could even become Christians at that point, and so when Peter goes back to the council in Jerusalem to the, the, fellow, the Jewish believers, he says, guys, salvation is for not only us, but it's also for the Gentiles because they too received the Holy Spirit the same way we did. Amen? It was the sign that they too were believers because they too were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul in Acts chapter 9, just back a page or so. Paul in verse 17 of Acts chapter 9. It says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know he spoke in tongues because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse Verse 18, it says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. So we know that Paul too experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit like the, the disciples. Look what it says in, in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, the, the, the city of Ephesus. Acts chapter 19. Verse 6. Here they are in Ephesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them in verse 6, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There, there were about 12 men in all. And so here the baptism of the Holy Spirit continues to be poured out now into the early church. But folks, we don't just read about it in the book of Acts. Amen? And then we wait till Azusa Street. Folks, that's not true. Amen? 
Now, most of you are probably going, Azusa Street? What's Azusa Street? I don't even know what you're talking about, Azusa Street. Azusa Street was, was the revival in California at the turn of the century, around 1901, where God poured out His Spirit. And when He did that, there were people from all over North America who went and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, predominantly people from the holiness movement and stuff. And out of that was birthed the Assemblies of God and the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada from the revival that happened just over 100 years ago. But folks, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit, it wasn't, it was, they, they called it the Azusa Street Revival, but I want you to understand that down throughout, for the last 2,000 years, God has continued to baptize and fill His believers with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen? It didn't just go from Acts to Azusa Street. It happened all along and throughout church history. And folks, when I was studying my message, I was stunned. Maybe I just didn't notice it when I was in Bible college. Well, I didn't notice certain things when I was in Bible college anyways. But I picked up my textbooks again, and I started reading about it, and I was stunned at some of the names that I, that I want to share with you this morning. About people who the Holy Spirit had come upon. People who, who said, it's for us and, and for our children. And it's for those who are far off. To, to all who would call on the name of the Lord. Because they too were believers. No, the promise continued to be given throughout the centuries. The Pentecostal church did not come about 100 years ago. It was birthed 2,000 years ago. Amen? Amen? Did you hear me? The Pentecostal church wasn't birthed 100 years ago. It was birthed 2,000 years ago. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada or Assemblies of God denominational doctrine. It is a church doctrine. Amen? From all of history. From all of history. It is, a, it is a church doctrine. So, the church has always been one that has experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let me quickly run through the millenniums since the day of Pentecost and highlight just a few notable people and groups that either sprung up from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit or had their part in their life as a believer. Folks, oftentimes, when these people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was in the midst of a revival, or, or, or God was bringing them up and raising them up to, to lead something significant, or, 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 or it was just something that they always understood to be part of the life of the believer. Well, of course, the early church fathers, up to the 5th century thought it automatic to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well into the 400 AD. It was just natural. It, it wasn't even something that was debated. It was just something that everyone did. Gregory Nazanin wrote regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit in, 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 in the 400s to be sought as a separate gift after being baptized in water. 
You see, it was not until the Eastern and Western churches separated into the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox that the Roman Catholic popes began to reduce the experience to a liturgical confession. It became confirmation. They liturgized it. They just made it part of their ritual and they said, it, it, it doesn't happen that way anymore. All you need to do is confess it and they moved it from their sanctuary and from their services to a backroom ceremony. But I want you to understand that it was continued to be experienced. It continued to be experienced by the Eastern and the Orthodox Church. Amen? It goes on. There were others down through the following centuries Monks, preachers, missionaries, and believers who experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. And so I just want to jump ahead, if I could, about, uh, about 800 years. If I could just jump, because you wouldn't recognize any of the names that I would have told you, some of these monks and other guys. And I can't pronounce half of them. But there were many who experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. See, in the 15th century and 16th century, we have Martin Luther and Menno Simons. The historian Eric Saar ascribed all of the gifts of the Spirit, including tongues, to Martin Luther, the founder of the Lutheran Church. Did you know that? Isn't that something? Menno Simons, the founder of the Mennonite churches, wrote, You are plainly taught that Peter commanded that those only should be baptized who had received the Holy Ghost, who spoke with tongues and glorified God, which only pertains to the believing and not the minor child children. A condition of baptism, water baptism in Menno Simons' life was that of speaking in tongues by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Amen. In the 17th century, a branch of Dutch Baptists, known as the Collegians, reacted against what they, they took uh, to be excessive clerical leadership. They developed the missionary of, uh, ministry of prophetic openings which involved the pursuit of personal infilling and empowering of the Spirit in Pentecostal fashion. They were driven from Holland as heretics. Uh, they too contribute to the development of the Quakers and also the Ranters and the Seekers. The Ranters, eh? I'd like to be known as one of the Ranters. And the Seekers. The Quakers, founded by George uh, Fox was uh, an arising about 1650 freely manifested aspects of Pentecostalism as they sought the guidance of God through what they called the inner light. The Quakers, folks. The Quakers. A, a Quaker named Burrow reported a meeting of the Society of Friends, their, 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 denom their, their fellowship. We spake with new tongues as the Lord gave utterances. And as his spirit led us, the Quakers were experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the 1600s, folks. Historic Methodism 
arising in 1739 under the, the leadership of John Wesley, gave definite support to a, doc, to, to a doctrine of, the, of spirit baptism. It was Wesley's view that believers should, could enjoy a definite experience subsequent to conversion. He spoke of a, of a second blessing. Methodist uh, history tells of a prayer meeting involving John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, in which all three of them were cast to the floor in a dramatic visitation of divine power. Wow. Wow. Folks, I've I, I got to be honest with you. There, there's, there's, there's one thing that kind of, you know, I, I'm a little, I, I don't mind the gifts of the Spirit, I, I don't mind the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all that kind of stuff, I, I'm good with it all. One of the things that, you know, just kind of makes me kind of go, okay, God, if you do it, that's fine, is when somebody's slain in the Spirit, it was what we called slain in the Spirit, when somebody falls over under the power of God. Good grief, John and Charles Wesley and, and Whitfield all experienced it. The three of those guys. Wow. That's cool. Wesley once wrote, the Holy Ghost enables men to speak in tongues. Wesley. In 1750, Thomas Walsh, a well-known Methodist preacher, wrote, this morning, the Lord gave me a language that I knew not of, raising my soul to Him in a wonderful manner. Amen? Isn't that exciting? Folks, I find that exciting. That in 1750, Thomas Walsh, his, experiencing during, during his morning time of, with the Lord, just the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. In the 1880s, of course, we have people like Edward Irving of the Church of Scotland recording meetings in which miracles of speaking in unknown tongues, the miraculous healing of the sick, and an attempt to make the lame walk without crutches happening. Isn't that great? Oh, America had already started happening over there, you know, across the sea. Across the sea, we, we have Presbyterian-sponsored Kentucky camp meetings experiencing the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Kentucky camp meetings. Can you imagine? All those hillbillies. Eh? Getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Charles. Charles G. Finley wrote of events that occurred in his life in 1825 and declared, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Folks, long before Azusa Street, 2,000 years before that, God was pouring out His Spirit because Joel prophesied it, because Jesus promised it, and because the Father delivered it. And he keeps his promise, amen? And he said, it's for all who believe, who are afar off. Folks, it's been 2,000 years, 
And God is still pouring out his spirit upon all who believe. And that's evidence with the speaking of tongues. And they're being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Isn't that exciting? I think it's exciting. And so we can see from the day of Pentecost in Acts to the outpouring out of Zusa Street and right up to our day today, God has kept his promise and he's continued to give believers the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now folks, I wanted to preach this this morning to birth something in you that if, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I hope this has caused you to kind of go, Amen, 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 Amen. Amen. I hope that's caused you to go, God, thank you for fulfilling that promise and pouring out your Spirit in me. That you, perhaps, like, like uh, uh, Charles Wesley would, would write, or Charles Finley, pardon me, I, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit that that would well up once again in you. But if you haven't received it, I hope that also it would stir in you a thirst and a hunger and a desire to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That you would say, I too, like the disciples, like, like Charles, like Menno, like, like Martin Luther, like, like uh, the Wesleys, I, I, I want to receive what God has promised. And so God, would you stir that up would you stir that hunger up within me folks the disciples were told to tarry and wait until they received it and God poured it out sometimes it happened instantly sometimes they had to tarry we heard this this past week at our general conference one of our speakers I can't remember which one but he said we came into Pentecost this way our, our parents my parents got saved and they went forward, they wanted to receive the baptism of, of, of the Holy Spirit, and they went to the altar, they were prayed for, and, and all that kind of stuff, and nothing happened. They went home, they just continued reading the Bible and, and understanding it. My mom was upstairs, my dad was downstairs, and at once, and suddenly, they both began to speak in tongues. As they were just out about doing what they were doing. God poured His Spirit out on them that day. Amen? And so I want to invite you, tonight I want to invite you if you haven't received it we'll pray for you tonight we'll lay our hands on you there's no magic potion here folks people have had their hands laid on them they haven't had their hands laid on them but God pours out his spirit amen and he's the one who does it I don't baptize anybody in the Holy Spirit it's the promise of the Father. That's why I call it the promise. It's from God, not from us. And it's not from a denomination, folks. I hope you hear that loud and clear today. That it's not from a denomination. Those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit are in every denomination throughout this, this great land and around this great world. It doesn't matter what sign is on the front of a church, folks. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all who believe. Amen? It's not our distinctive and it's not, we don't have ownership of it. It's God's. And it's something He wants to do in the life and the heart of every believer. And it means sacrificing, it means surrender to it. And so tonight, we're going to worship 
I'm going to share a little bit, and then we're going to open the altars, and we're going to pray for you. And we're willing to tarry tonight. And we're willing to just pray. And so if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, I hope you'll be here tonight to pray for those who want to receive it. Amen? And those who want to receive it, I hope you're here and that you'll begin even today having that birth within you and that hunger and that desire well up within you that you too, like the, the disciples, would say, I'm going to tarry until I receive it. Amen? Amen? Let's stand. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are the same today as you were yesterday and that you will be tomorrow. And the things that you have promised, you fulfill. Oh God, and I pray that even today that you would confirm within us, Lord God, the truth and the reality of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that there are many of us here even in this place, that have experienced it. And so God, I pray even today that you would create a hunger and a desire within the life of the believer, O God, that those who have yet to receive it, O God, it's not a badge we wear, O God. It's It's just something that you want to do in our hearts and our lives. And so God, would you do that in their life? Would you stir it up in them? Oh God, would you pour your spirit upon upon them? Lord, whether, whether, maybe even this afternoon before they're even able to come here tonight, oh God. You do it. You do it, oh God. We want you to move among us. We want the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, oh God. Not just by, by conversion, in conversion, oh God, but also in, in baptism. God, do that work in us. Do that work in us. Prepare our hearts today, O oh God. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. It was great to have you. There are some visitors here that have just moved here. Uh, Rolando's brother and his family and, uh, and Roberta is visiting as well. And so say hi to some of these people that you might not recognize. Blessings on you. Have a great day.